0: To make gentle parenting work, you truly have to take on this posture of understanding and compassion and putting yourself in the child's shoes and trying to see things through their lens and see things from their developmental level as well, knowing what is developmentally appropriate for them.
1: I'm Rachel and I'm Marcella, and you're listening to the Parenting with Understanding podcast.
0: We are parenting coaches who have helped millions of parents like you all over the world go from feeling isolated and hopeless, unable to break the cycle of permissive or punitive parenting to feeling confident in parenthood and connected to their children's needs. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Marcella. How are you doing this week?
1: I'm doing good. Yes, it's hot up there. so. Keeping cool. What about you?
0: Yeah, I've been doing really well, really enjoying the summer. We have actually not taken our personal vacation yet, but we're going to be doing that at the beginning of August, and I'm so ready. I need I need the beach. We are so far from the beach, so I need a good beach vacation.
1: Where are you going?
0: We're going to go to Destin,
1: Florida. Oh, okay, fun. For today's episode, we are going to go through our q and section, From our TikTok accounts, that we get hundreds of questions. And we're going to go through some of them and answer them here on our podcast. All these questions are from parents like you who want to raise their children respectfully and have questions, need answers. So, this podcast episode is going to be a mix of many things. And I'm excited.
0: Yeah, me too. I love Q&A with parents is actually one of my favorite things to do. So I'm really excited that we're doing it here. And we're going to try to, you know, tell who which profile asked this question so you'll be able to know if it was your question or not. So before we jump into that, though, we want to make sure to tell you guys about a freebie that we have linked in the description of this video. It is the Parenting Avatar Questionnaire, or what, what would
1: you call that? After coaching so many parents, hundreds of parents, all of them trying to do the respectful gentle parenting, I found three profiles or three types of gentle parents, and these three profiles of of gentle parents, they have their unique strengths and needs. In this quiz, you're going to find out what your parenting avatar is. So you find what your strengths and needs are. And uh, talking about the strengths is going to point you out to solutions in order for you to to keep improving and, and becoming the parent that you want to be. So if you want to take this free quiz, it's very easy. Just open the description of this episode and the link is there. Or you can even go to the link in my bio at High Club on Instagram and TikTok and it's there as well.
0: Okay. Are you ready to dive into some questions? Yes. Okay. So this is a really good question. This comes from Katie. Um, Her handle is Howdy, This Is My Life. On TikTok, and she says, What does discipline look like in your house or in your parenting method? I know you don't do timeouts, so I'm curious. So for me personally, discipline looks like meeting my child in a moment of whatever emotion she is showing me and working through a five-step method that I actually turned into an ebook. It is called the Considerate Conversation Formula. And it's a formula that I started using myself after getting all of the knowledge that I could about parenting with understanding and all the knowledge that I could about gentle parenting and all of the knowledge that I could get all in one place. But I still needed something to help me in the moment. I needed a communication flow. And that's what this is. So I needed a communication flow. And that's essentially what this is. And it really is identifying the root of what's going on behind her big emotions and her big behavior, meeting that need, and then working on addressing and correcting her behavior. Little side note, correcting behavior and stopping behavior are two very different things. And a lot of parents get caught in this power struggle flow in discipline because they are only stopping behavior temporarily with punishments like yelling, spanking, timeouts, um, taking things away, all of that kind of stuff. And what I have found is that I rarely have to enforce consequences with my daughter because I found that this five-step method really helps her to feel understood, feel seen, feel valued. And then whenever we talk about her behavior and I give her correction steps to fix that herself in the future. And it's not coming from a place of judgment. She self-corrects over time. It's not immediately, you know, it's not a quick fix, but it it definitely um, has happened. And now there are so many situations, so, so many scenarios Um, where she, instead of throwing things at me, like she used to, to get my attention, she'll come up and gently touch me and say, mommy, I need your attention. Can you put your phone away? And she's three and a half, you know, like that's more emotional maturity than a lot of adults have. (laughs) My husband's not going to throw anything at me, but you know, he can, for sure, we can get kind of like huffy and puffy because a lot of us weren't taught these things. So yeah, discipline in my house and in my parenting method really comes through the lens of seeing, valuing, and understanding the child and realizing that they are trying to communicate with me through their behavior.
1: I have one from a, I think she's the mom of a teen. Her name is Lupe. What if I keep teaching my teen and the same behavior keeps happening? For example, he constantly is telling me to shut up. Oh, (laughs) How would you feel if you have a twin or teen? How would you feel if your twin or teen constantly tells you to shut up? How would you feel? And I'm asking you about how do you feel because based on the feelings that that produces, many times it's going to determine your reaction, right? And feelings come from, from thoughts. It comes from unmet, unmet needs. So if if you get the shut up and then you grew up with like, for sure, this is this respect and needs to be nipping the butt right away, otherwise it's going to get worse, then your response is going to be a reaction, right? And then the shut up is going to escalate. Every behavior communicates a need. So if your teenager is telling you to shut up, that's his immature way of telling you that he might need space, that you might be teaching them too much. And I'm saying this because we may think like, oh, we have a teenager. They're not an, an adult, but that means we still need to keep teaching them and teaching them and teaching them. And for them, that sounds more like nagging because they already got the teaching a long time ago. But you think that, ah, because they, they don't follow through. They need to keep being taught. When in reality, it's more like, going to have a conversation with them and saying, okay, so we already went over this. We already went over the room needs to be cleaned and I don't want to sound like nagging. What is preventing you from keeping the room clean? And how can I help you move forward? Okay. Is it that you, you let things pile up, things piled up, and then you feel very overwhelmed with all the things that you need to clean? This is it about the time, the day, that we have set up for cleaning, what is it? And from there, helping them. So when it comes to the shut up, it's basically giving them the skills, the tools for them to communicate their needs without using disrespectful words, right? If shut up sounds really harsh to you, and if they need space, if they need you to not teach them so much, but to trust them, how can they communicate that to you? Right now, they're telling you to shut up. That's the only tool they have to communicate that need. But how else can they communicate it and talk to them about it? Yeah, That's parenting with understanding as well.
0: Yeah. Well, and I I think back to about, you know, being a teenager and the ways that I wish someone would have talked to me or sought to understand, because I had a really hard time keeping my room clean, too. And it's something that I still struggle with in adulthood. And I, I have realized that executive functioning is just a struggle for me. And if someone had sought to understand that and given me the tools that I'm now learning in adulthood back then, it would have been a game changer for me, you know, and it would have saved me a lot of arguments in marriage too, because I'd married someone who's excellent at executive functioning. And, you know, ironically. You so and, um, I think.
1: We, that's why we're friends. Mm-hmm. We're so anyway. I agree.
0: Okay, so I have one from Kaylee. She says, my four year old gets so mad or so upset that he throws stuff. He knows he did bad after and runs for a hug, but he continues to do it. Okay. So a couple of things that I see here. First of all, he's repeating the same behavior. And that tells me that it's probably being stopped in the moment because when you stop behavior, it stops temporarily, but it isn't corrected long term. The second thing that I see is the words, he knows he did bad after. So, my question to you, Kaylee, and to parents who are in the same boat would be how can you reframe your mindset around? behaviors that are maybe unhealthy. If we view behavior as communication, then communication can be unhealthy or healthy communication, but communicating with people isn't bad. There are just ways that we communicate that are not as healthy as others, right? So if he's throwing something, he's communicating something in that moment. And all behavior is communicating a need at the root. And the need is not to, to like throw his milk. For example, the need is not, that's not the root need. He may have a need in that moment for connection with you. And he's, he's trying to draw attention to the fact that he just needs some mommy time, or he could be throwing things because He has a need for safety. He doesn't feel safe in the moment. And so his body feels really anxious. And so he just throws things because he doesn't feel safe. So identifying those things and really trying to peel back the layers of what's going on and seeking to understand the child's changes everything. And with him being four years old, you can probably have a conversation and say, get down on his level and say, Oh buddy. Okay. I can see that you're throwing things can you tell me what you need right now? And if he melts into you for a hug, it was probably that he needed some mommy time and he needed some connection and he just wanted to feel close. And he knew that that was a sure way that he was going to get that attention from you. So in, in meeting that need for him, you can tell him how oh, I love giving you hugs. Next time you need a hug, instead of throwing your things, come to me and say, oh, mommy, I need a hug. You know, something that simple could be a total game changer.
1: Mm-hmm. I have a follow-up question to that. And that's just from what, how I see people respond when I say something similar. Oh, so if he needed mommy time and then he did it right, right after the throwing, that's why he's learning that when he throws, mommy opens his her arms for a hug Mm -hmm. So how would not that reinforce the behavior?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that teaching them how to get what they need without doing the negative behaviors, you know, or communicating in those unhealthy ways. That's when you actually start to correct behavior, you know?
1: Yes. This one is from Max. I tried gentle parenting for a long, very long time. And if I'm not tough on my kids, they never listen. I've tried gentle parenting for a very long time. So are you talking to me about that you've tried it for 18 years? Or what a very long time means to you? A week? Two months? I said from experience. Not so much with my twins, because I've been doing gentle parenting since birth. So that's all they know. That's all they're used to but I'm talking about my children in foster care. When they came to me, they were in their teens, and they had years and years being used to be parented with traditional methods. So they were used to not listen until they saw yelling from their parents or other foster parents. They were used to being threatened. So they come with habits, right? The habit of like a... Discipline means I'm going to get yelled at, hurt. I'm going to get threatened, right? So when when they come to me and then they see that there is another way that I don't yell, that I don't threaten them to do things, it's a big, I would say, cultural shock for them because they, they, they're thrown off. They don't know what it is. And it takes them, many times it takes them months and there was one of them that it took it took him two years to finally understand that he was safe mm. and that I wasn't going to any given time explode because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for to am I still safe with you? I mean, I know you're not yelling, I know you're trying, but am I still safe with you? So they're not pushing to test you, they're pushing to know if 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 you're they're really now safe with you. Yeah. So when you say that if I'm not tough with them, they don't listen, that's the, the the bar that you're setting in your house, that you are gentle, 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 gentle until you're tough. Yeah. And I, I would be
0: curious to know too, what gentle looks like
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: if it has slipped over into permissiveness where you're you know just trying to say the same controlling statements, but with a nice tone, like, Please don't stand on the table, or please go clean your room, or you know, like just adding the word please and packaging the same. Like, you know, it's really like I call it a posture, like, it's this posture that we saw in our childhood. And so, subconsciously, we think that that's how we should approach parenting. And really parenting with understanding and and gentle parenting when it's done, what I would say, I mean, I hate like correctly and incorrectly, but like to make gentle parenting work, you truly have to take on this posture of understanding and compassion and putting yourself in the child's shoes and trying to see things through their lens and see things from their developmental level as well, knowing what is developmentally appropriate for them. And So I'm just, I would be curious to this, this parent, you know, looking at the ways that you have gently parented, if it wasn't quote unquote working, were you, did you have realistic expectations for your child based on their developmental level? And were you slipping over into permissiveness or had you learned how to gain cooperation without using fear, manipulation and control? Um, because if not, that may be why it wasn't working. But the, the good news about all of that is that there are tools. There are still tools available for you. We have a ton of resources. Another
1: thing is that uh, it says that if I'm not tough, they never listen. And that was what she or what he meant by not working. And I remember I heard a TikTok from a gentle parenting creator. Too. It was a really great TikTok. And then she said, what do you mean by not working? Because for me, gentle parenting is not dependent on the child's behavior. Mm-hmm. My two-year-old still throws a fit if I tell tell her no. It's about my behavior and how I approach yes. that feeling and that reaction.
0: Yes, 100% yes. That's a, an amazing way to put it. Okay, I have a question here from Jenna. And she says, can you talk about how difficult it is to be gentle when you grew up with reactive parents? Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. So both Marcella and I did grow up with reactive parents. I think our parents reacted in different ways. Mine, um, I had a really interesting dynamic in my household where my mom had a lot of the attributes of a gentle parent in many ways, like she had a secure attachment with me, but she also had all these other attachment styles. If you're familiar with attachment styles, she had all the others kind of mixed in there as well. My dad, on the other hand, um, did not have a very secure attachment with me and he was very very reactive. So was my mom, but my mom, my mom reacted in like annoyance or frustration. My dad acted in anger and rage, which was way more scary for me. You know, the frustration and annoyance from my mom was like, oh, mom's annoyed, you know. <laughs> but when dad got angry or filled with rage with me, it was really really scary for me. Mm-hmm. And it created a lot of wounds. And I've, I, by the way, I have talked with my dad about all of this and we have a really good relationship now. And he totally sees things differently. He was, he was young. um, Whenever I was born, he was about 25 and he just, you know, had a lot of his own stuff going on. And so his reactivity came from, just a lot of things that had happened in his own life and a lot of things and stressors that he was dealing with at that age as well. So I understand it doesn't negate the fact though, that I was traumatized by that. And that feels really hard to admit, but when you, when you then move into a, a position of being a gentle parent, when you were raised like that, it is so difficult. And I I just want Jenna I want you to to hear this and I want any other parent that's listening to this episode that is just feeling the weight of man I have all these reactions coming out of me and I absolutely hate it I hate when I yell I hate myself when I yell I I just want to encourage you to give yourself so much grace because You are not failing when you react the way that your parents reacted. You are not failing as a parent. You're learning, you're growing, you're changing and you're becoming, you actually care to become someone different. Whereas for many of us, our parents, it took them a long time. Like my parents are now breaking the cycle with me and it's beautiful. They might think that you're absolutely crazy for wanting to break the cycle, And that can be really difficult for you as well. But one thing that I want to tell you that my therapist told me was that I I was beating myself up whenever I would react in ways that my dad specifically reacted. If I reacted with anger or rage and I had a moment where I lost all logic and reasoning and I did something, I yelled at my daughter or I popped my daughter I would feel so guilty because I would tell myself, Rachel, you are a parenting coach. You know better. It's not that you should, you already do know better. And I told my therapist, she feels, I don't want to make her feel the way that I felt. And she said, does she need a parenting coach? Yeah, she she does. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, she said, oh, hold on. She said, you have a totally different foundation because you have a secure attachment. And so when you react, your daughter is just thinking, oh man, mommy's like really frustrated or that was not, this is not how mommy usually reacts. Like this isn't a pattern. This is really weird. What is happening? But for me, it was the normal. Like whenever I was a child, I didn't have that secure attachment and it was normal. So it was far more damaging. And for my daughter, there's also a repair process in place where I immediately move into, whoa, hold on a second. You did not deserve that. That was not my response it was not okay. Mommy should not have acted that way. And I'm so sorry that I did. I'm working on myself and I'm going to do better in the future. Whenever I'm angry, I'm going to do push-ups. Whenever I'm angry, I'm going to jump up and down. Whenever I'm angry, I'm going to like punch the air or, you know, like do a dance party or do something to get that out of my body but I'm not going to put my hands on you and I am not going to use my voice to be aggressive towards you. And that is breaking the cycle. So to you, Jenna, and any other parent that is feeling this weight of like, oh, I'm like, I'm struggling because I feel like I was raised with reactive parents and I see that coming out of me. I'm trying to gently parent, the overall message here is just give yourself so much grace in this process and know that you have already laid a different foundation for your children than your parents did with you. And that yes. is breaking the cycle.
1: Okay, so this one is from Dana. Very simple. How can I generate more patience? How can I generate more patience? Okay, so I want to do an, an analogy here. Why are we patient? with our children's physiological or physical development when our babies are now walking when they're just laying down and eventually they they roll over and eventually they start crawling and then they stand up and then maybe at Miguel was at 10 months Santi was at 17 months they start walking Why are we patient with that really long process that takes from 12 to 17 months? Because we understand the process. So why aren't we patient when it comes to emotional development? Let's go back. Your toddler, your two-year-old throws a tantrum, has a tantrum, and you respond gently. And then two minutes later, they have the same tantrum. And then you're like, ah, oh, but I already taught them gentle hands and they keep hitting me. And if we go back to this first example is because, again, like if we, if we understood the brain development of our children, the maturity development, we for sure would be more patient. <laughs> mm-hmm. If we knew that, okay, yes, she keeps hitting because her brain is not developed yet. She's not there yet. Right. She's not sharing, not because she's possessive or bossy, but she's not there yet. She's she's two and a half. Right. Yeah. Or she's demanding because that's four year olds 4 four to six. That's a very common developmentally appropriate, healthy behavior for preschoolers and kindergartners when they become really demanding even telling you what to do. Don't sit there. Don't look at that thing. Why are you doing that? Like, that's a very developmentally appropriate thing. But our lack of patience, from my opinion, comes from the lack of understanding of those processes. When we are patient with our children's physical development, because we understand it takes time for them to go from walking to walking. Mm -hmm. but what about if we knew that it takes time for them to go from from reacting hitting kicking screaming to communicating their needs maturely and you know what it is not gonna take them five years or not even 12 years it will take them until adulthood until their brain is fully developed Mm -hmm. to have a fully functioning brain uh, and not react that way i highly encourage you to dig in to parenting with understanding and learn about your child's physical, emotional, psychological needs and what is expected at each developmental stage. That will help you be so much more patient.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We're going to answer one more question. This one comes from Jerica, And this is actually a question that I get a lot because I only have one kiddo. So a lot of parents want to know some parents Say, you only have one kid. Call me when you have more, you know. But Jerica is genuinely curious and she's saying, I'm a mama of two, and I'm trying my best to gently parent, but sometimes I get so overwhelmed. So I kind of want to pass this over to you, Marcella, because you are a mom of multiples, you have twins and you have had more than that in your home at certain points, whenever you were doing therapeutic foster care providing. So what advice would you give the parent of multiples who's trying to do this, but it just feels so overwhelmed?
1: Okay. A long time ago, when I used to do one-on-one consultations, that was a consultation from a mom of four kids. And the four kids were neurodivergent. So they had um, higher needs. Yeah. So she said, but it's just so hard when everybody's needing, literally needing and dysregulated at the same time. What do I do? I'm like, okay, in that case, I lived it. (laughs) I lived it. I had little twins. I mean, one of them, I don't know if Santi's neurodivergent, but he has sensory needs. But I had little twins and then I have, a neurodivergent team and uh, that happened to me that the three of them needed attention at the same time and I'm alone let you say I'm alone my husband is not there right the first thing is is it safe is it safe what you're doing is it safe what you're doing is it safe what you're doing I'm going into each child like okay Santi, Santi's crying but he's in the crib he's safe okay Miguel is crying as well, but Miguel is climbing on that window. Okay, I'm going to take him down because so safety first. Mm-hmm. I know it looks like really overwhelming and like you you almost want to have like an octopus, <laughs> be an octopus and have multiple hands to reach all of them at the same time, but you cannot. So I would focus on the one who whose safety is compromised first. <laughs> I'm bringing back to safety, Right. And then I will go one by one. Usually, the one that needed to wait a little bit more was my teenager because he he could wait a little bit more. Could you please? Uh, uh Santi's climbing on the on on the chair. I know. I I know. I I want to help you too, but I'm gonna get Santi down, and and I'm gonna be with you. Yeah. Even if they're like screaming or slamming the door. <laughs> Because that he he was a door slammer. He would slam the door a lot. I mean, he slammed the door, but he's still safe in his room. So yeah he can't wait until Santi until I get Santi down. And after that, I'll go and and help him help my my teenager, who was having a rough time.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you do with your like your twins right now being at the same age? And you were probably, I mean, they were, they've always been at the same age. So in those moments, whenever you've got like, okay, one is, is not in that place where I can say, I need you to give me a minute. Like, what if you're trying to talk to one and the other one's just like, blah, 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 blah.
1: I need you too. you're giving him the attention you're doing, you know, like, how does that, how does that work? Let's just say now that they're six years old, it happens a lot. <laughs> If I'm trying to help one, the other one is on top of me. It's been very few times that both of them are as dysregulated. There is always one that is more regulated than the other. Mm -hmm. So the one that is more regulated, I invite them to help me out. (laughs) Okay. Right? So for example, let's just say Santi's crying in his calm down corner and I'm trying to help them. And Miguel is like, mommy, look, I'm going to show you something. But he's really like, don't put your attention there. Look at me. I'm like... Miguel, Santi is going through something. How can we help him? So I invited to help me with Santi. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one way. Another way that I, I give the one who's the most regulated, I, I give them an instruction. So, for example, one time Santi was chasing Miguel to hit him because Miguel was playing the flute and Santi's sensory was, he was very triggered. And then I said, okay, we need a break. Miguel, eh, Santi needs a break, and I think you need a break. Miguel was the most regulated one. And then he said, okay. So he went to his bedroom, and he took a break, and I focused on Santi. Or if it's vice versa, I do it. I mean, I always look, who is the one who's most regulated, and I focus more on the one who needs the most regulation, co regulation at the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that alone I think it can be so helpful for our listeners. I think that they're like, oh, okay, I don't have to meet both of their needs right at that very moment. I can say, okay, this one over here is a little less regulated. It's more this this child is more dysregulated. So I can invite the child who's more regulated into the process, or I can just say, Hey, can you give me just a minute and I'll come help you in a second? And they their brain's not as dysregulated. So they're you know, they're, you're able to, to help them. Yeah. I think that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. That, that's what I usually do. There has been a few times that both of them are like, ah! <laughs> so again, I assess who, who is throwing things. Okay. That one is not safe. Let me focus on safety. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just tough. Because we, we as parents we see them both needing things and we want to meet their needs at the same time. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it's not possible. Even when they were newborns, yeah. they would yeah. be both crying with poopy diapers and I still had two hands and I could change one at a time. Yeah. 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 That's a perfect example.
0: Well, I thought this was really great today. I hope that you guys were encouraged by the answers that you got. And even if you didn't get your specific question answered, hopefully you got something out of the answers that we gave and you can take a little nugget away and apply it to your parenting immediately. We do want to remind you that you can leave a review on this podcast episode. If you found this helpful, this is a way to encourage other parents to listen to the podcast. We love whenever you share the podcast as well. You can tag us on Instagram and TikTok. Both of those are at High Impact Club and at The Considerate Mama. If you are a customer of ours, meaning you have any product within High Impact Club or HIC Parenting as we are now calling it, you can become part of our Cycle Breaker group on Facebook. It's the HIC Cycle Breaker group. These are linked below in the podcast description. And as always, It only takes understanding to break your cycle. We will see you next week. Bye. (laughs)